There once was a poor boy who had no shoes. A neighbor of his who happened to be an atheist saw him praying one day and immediately made fun of him. He said to the boy, you pray so much, if God really existed, he would tell somebody to buy you a pair of shoes. The little boy replied, I'm sure God does, but they don't listen. That little boy, in some ways, my brothers and sisters, demonstrated a very mature adult faith in his response to his atheist neighbor. He obviously believed that there's a God, but he also believed that God always heard and always responded to his prayers. The boy had faith that when he turned to the Lord with a request, the Lord answered him by pouring forth his grace. The boy was convinced that whenever he prayed, God did something, even if it wasn't exactly what he wanted the Lord to do. And the boy also understood that we human beings can say no to God's grace, and sometimes do such that God's will is not accomplished in every situation, in every circumstance of this life. Now, I'm sure the atheist neighbor thought the boy was foolish for believing all these things, since the boy couldn't demonstrate them empirically or prove them scientifically. Of course, neither could the atheist do that for most of what he believes in his life. Now, he probably wouldn't admit this, most atheists probably wouldn't, but it's true nonetheless. You see, my brothers and sisters, as ironic as it might sound, every atheist is actually a person of faith, a person of very deep faith. He cannot scientifically prove that there isn't a God any more than a believer can scientifically prove that there is a God. He can only have faith that God doesn't exist, which actually presents him with a major problem namely explaining how something can come from nothing. We all know by our own experience that certain things exist. Matter exists. I exist, you exist, the world exists. And all of this constitutes something. As a religious believer, I say that this something came from something else actually someone else, namely Almighty God himself. But an atheist says there is no God. So where did this something come from? I've never seen something come from nothing. Maybe you have. Let me know after Mass. I've never seen anything come from nothing. But that's what an atheist ultimately believes about creation. And if he says he believes in the Big Bang Theory, that doesn't satisfy the difficulty for him, even though he might think it, think it does. The Big Bang Theory, in case people are not aware of it, says that 12 to 14 billion years ago, the universe as we know it expanded from a tiny speck of matter after a huge cosmic explosion. Well, that's all well and good, but that leads to the question, where did that tiny speck of matter come from? If that speck was like a bomb, and apparently it was, 
than who or what made it, and who or what lit the fuse, and who or what designed the blueprint for the explosion. Did it come from nothing? But once again, that begs the question, how does something come from nothing? Where's the scientific evidence that such a thing could or that such a thing actually did happen? But you know, the faith of an atheist even goes beyond this. It goes beyond the issue of creation. In fact, the faith of an atheist touches almost every area of his life, whether he's conscious of it or not. Today's second reading from Hebrews 11, which we heard a few moments ago, is all about faith specifically about the faith of Old Testament saints like Abraham and Sarah. And it begins with these very famous words. Faith is the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Now what's interesting about that definition is it applies to every human person, not just to religious believers like you and me. Every single human person has things that they hope for. Every single human person has things in their life that they believe in, but do not see. And that includes atheists. You know, atheists and religious skeptics often talk about faith as if it were something that's totally foreign to them in their lives, something that they completely reject. But the truth of the matter is, they live by faith every day. And so do you and I. Those of you, for example, who are parents of young children, when you put your children on a bus in the morning to send them to school, you exercise faith. And you do that whether you believe in God or not whether you're an atheist or whether you're a strong person of religious conviction. You have faith that your children will be safe in the hands of that bus driver. You have faith that they'll be safe at school, that they'll be well taken care of by the faculty and administration. You have faith that the teachers in that school are going to teach your children the right things, the truth. You do not know with absolute certitude that they'll be safe. The events at Sandy Hook taught us that lesson, did they not? You have no guarantees that they will be taught the truth. You can't scientifically demonstrate any of that stuff. But you put your children on the bus anyway, because you trust, because you have faith in the people I just mentioned who are associated with the school. Or how about eating at a restaurant, something that many of us like to do? including atheists. How do you know with absolute certitude that the food the waitress puts in front of you on a given day is good, healthy, fresh, safe? How do you know that food's not laced with arsenic or some other poison? This is a great topic, isn't it, before breakfast this morning? <laughs> well, unless you bring in some kind of food testing machine, presuming that there is such a machine in the world, and unless you test everything on your plate, you don't know those things. Once again, you have to exercise faith if you're going to eat. Ever sit in a history class at school? 
How do you know that all those historical figures you hear about really existed? How do you know that they really did the things that the history book says they did? Did you know all these people? Did you ever have a conversation with George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or Julius Caesar? I never have. You say you did, by the way, I have a good doctor I can recommend to you. But I do know one thing. When I sat in history classes in high school and college and graduate school, and I sat in many of them, I did have faith. I had faith that what I was hearing and what I was reading about these people, at least most of it, was accurate. Or how about science? Scientists who are atheists will tell us that they only believe what they empirically verify for themselves. But every scientist I've ever known, and I've known many, has accepted as true the discoveries of other scientists, things that they have not empirically verified for themselves. They have put their faith in what those other scientists have written and said, and they do that without giving it a second thought. Most of you, when you leave Mass today, are going to exit this church and leave by, by a car, by a four-wheeled vehicle. Well, as you drive down Elm Street or Cross Street, depending on which parking lot you happen to be in, I ask you to notice the cars coming toward you in the opposite direction. Do you know with absolute certitude that none of those cars will swerve into your lane and hit you head-on? It's another lovely thought, is it not? The fact is, you don't know that. It could happen. It's happened in other places before, we know that. But you have faith that it won't happen. And if you don't have that kind of faith, you won't go anywhere after Mass today. At least you won't go anywhere in a motorized vehicle. You will leave your car in that parking lot until it rots. Or until I get sick of seeing it there and call somebody to tow it away. Even in our relationships of love, we operate, for the most part, on faith. Is there somebody in your life who has said those beautiful words to you, I love you? I hope so. Well, how did you know with absolute certitude that what they said to you was true? The answer is you didn't. They could have been lying. People do that all the time. They could have said those words, I love you, in order to manipulate you in some way. That kind of thing happens all the time. If you believed what they said, you had faith. You had faith that the person was telling you with his lips or her lips what was truly in his or her heart. As I conclude this morning, I will say my point in this homily is very simple. To live a fully human life, you need faith, even if you're an atheist. But your life will be incomplete. Your life will be without ultimate meaning if you don't have faith in God, in the one true God. As St. Augustine put it in his confessions, you made us, O Lord, for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. 
So the next time you're having a conversation with an atheist, and if you believe the news polls, that's an experience which is becoming more and more common for believers these days, because according to the polls, the number of atheists is increasing. The next time you're having a conversation with one, try to get that atheist to recognize the fact that he already lives his life by a certain kind of faith. Then share with him the reasons for your faith in the one true God and in his Son, Jesus Christ. Just as we have reasons for our faith in the school bus driver and the restaurant cook and in the people who say that they love us, just as we have reasons for believing them, so we should have good reasons, solid reasons, rational reasons for our belief in God. And then pray. Always pray. Pray very hard that your unbelieving friend will be touched by God's grace and take your words to heart. So that his life of faith will expand, expand, to include religious faith. Faith in the God worshipped by Abraham and by Sarah and by us.